Good morning. I have to say before we get started that, I don't know, probably after close to a year, that it was finally pointed out to me that on the back of my computer I spelled the sentence wrong. I added an extra the. Seek first the the kingdom. I never noticed that. I know I never noticed that either, and I was the one that wrote it. <laughs> but that's all right. I just figured God wanted to emphasize it. The the kingdom. But uh, <laughs> the yes, indeed. Let's uh, go to Him in prayer. Father, we worship you and we praise you. We love you so much. We thank you for your love. Lord, today is a special day in so many ways. It is special because of what you have done. Special because of what you are doing. And special because of what you're about to do. We thank you. We thank you for all three. We thank you for just including us in your plan. Thank you. Thank you. We're humbled. Because we recognize the roots in which we came from were undeserving. But God. But your love. Your love that saw through this fallen flesh. Your love that pierced through that darkness and brought hope, brought life, life more abundantly. Thank you. Thank you because we don't deserve it, but Father, we receive it. And we thank you for it. And we don't live as condemned. We don't live berating ourselves because it is you who has lifted us up. All we desire, all we desire is to walk in your will. To be used how you desire to use us. Your hands, your feet. Oh God, you know this is my cry. It always has been. Thank you. Then when we cry out to you, you hear, you listen, and you respond. I thank you that, Jesus, you're a living God. You are the living God. You are the first raised from the dead. In this spiritual death, thank you. Thank you for conquering death that we might live. Oh God, what I ask is that we offer ourselves as a vessel that burns bright for you. God, just burn within us. Burn within us a fire that we cannot contain, nor would we even want to. 
Because with that fire comes a boldness. With that fire comes a love that pierces the darkness. Because it's your love. You've brought us to many dark places, many dark situations, for the purpose of being a light. Lord, that light comes from intimacy with you, from a trust built through trial. Lord, I pray for this morning that you speak through me according to your will, not my own. As you lay on my heart, Father, I will speak. Because I have planned nothing. I trust you. We all trust you. We seek your face. We ask for your will to be done this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's a... I don't know if the word... The word that keeps coming to my mind is nostalgic, but that's not really probably the right word because that's kind of what you think of as in the past, right? Because so much of what today means is the future as well. It's nostalgic in the fact that the Lord has kept us here for seven years and... It's been about two months, a little over two months in this house. And when I say the Lord has kept us here, he has kept us here. Early on, we, and I've told you this before, we didn't think that would be the case. And we, in our own efforts, just kept trying. And the Lord, of course, bless this because this is what you do. This is what you do. We're not supposed to be in a house. (laughs) Wrong. No, because the Lord knew something that he wanted to do with us here. He knew something that we needed to come to a place in understanding and in learning that any other path would have been a distraction. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you. I don't know about you, to me, these memories have been so sweet. It's, it's strange because I, I was talking with Alex this morning and there's, there's this feeling of butterflies kind of going into this next, I don't know if you want to call it a change of season or, or what. And what's weird is the butterflies, I, I, I can't quite quantify them because it's not about being in front of people. I mean, I I speak in front of thousands of people in Nigeria. It's not that. It's the excitement of God having you step into a new place, into a new area of your calling, the calling of this church. What he's doing with all of you here, all of those even online, those in Nigeria. Because it it isn't just about a physical place. I mean, after seven years, I hope we've learned that. (laughs) 
It's about stepping into what the Lord has for you in his desire to work through you. When I look into the faces of each of you, I can tell you he has a plan specific for you. Which is part of a grander plan. And it's no different here than it is all over his bride, specifically his remnant. He has a plan for each one. Those plans might be the same. They might be different. Honestly, it doesn't really matter because it is all planned to work together in a congruency of his hands and his feet. So, so the, the nostalgic feeling of this day is also coupled with this excitement and, and today isn't actually the last day we're here, right? We have our Tuesday service. That will be the last worship service here in this house. I want to encourage you to be here. It's going to be an awesome, awesome time. Bring Kleenex. <laughs> but the Lord will be here as he is each time. As I was talking with him this morning... And it began really last night, asking him, you know, what do you want for tomorrow morning? And he didn't tell me any specifics, as, as he really rarely does. But he kept putting a thought on my mind. And that is that this is similar to what Joshua and the Israelites faced after that 40 years of wilderness. When they were to go into the promised land... And start taking land. Start conquering for God. And, and I just kept, kept thinking about that and all the things that he's done for us here in these last seven years. In terms of, of setting us apart. Working on us hard. Right? Proving us out. Proving our relationship with Him. Proving our relationships together. Our unity together. Proving these things out. Oftentimes, you could say, that was a wilderness experience. Do you not think they had beautiful times in the wilderness? I'm sure they did. Do you think they had difficult times in the wilderness? We know they did. We saw their grumbling. But when you walk through the wilderness with the idea of letting God teach, letting Him just show you His way, the wilderness can be an amazing place. Think of what it did for Jesus. Think of what it did actually not as much for Jesus, but against the enemy. Oh my goodness, that's when Jesus was tested in his faith, tested in who he was, tested in the devil thinking that he could get one over on him. I bet Jesus would look back and say that the wilderness was one of the sweetest times for him. I think we're going to be able to look back on these seven years in the future and say the same. 
for all the things that the Lord prepared, all just like the Israelites, he had to prepare a group that needed to change. Right? From that first group that went in, the group changed, or from the first group that sent the spies, the group changed over those 40 years. That's what Jesus has had to do with us. He's had to change us internally. He's also had to change us physically in terms of people. Those are the tough things. But they're also the necessary things to move forward in what he's doing. Because he can only use those who would give him everything. The days of giving him a little bit are over. Those days are over. That time is past. If you want to just give him a little bit and you want to be satisfied with that, you really probably should have been born, I don't know, 67 years ago. And had your highlight then. As I was, much of my growing up period. But now, where we face ourselves now, Jesus is demanding everything. Of his bride. He is demanding intimacy. He is demanding unity. But not demanding demanding it like a slave owner, but demanding it as a friend. Because of what he wants to do with this with his bride and with the world. So as I was thinking of this thought, you know, kind of like we are like the, the Israelites going into the promised land. He took me to Joshua 3. I want you to turn there. I know the, the first thing that you think of is Joshua 1, where he says, be bold and courageous. You know, don't be afraid. As you're going to step into things, there's going to be cause to be afraid, but don't be. That's what we think of as the preparation for going into the promised land. It really wasn't. That was Joshua's preparation to take over for Moses. He was telling him, if you are going to lead these people, you can't be in fear. Moses certainly wasn't in fear as he led. As he led him out of Egypt, as he led him through the 40 years. That's not what I thought of when I thought of the, the similarities of this group now. What I thought of was Joshua chapter 3. And I want to read it to you. You go to verse 5. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves. For the Lord will do wonders among you. That word consecrate... It means to be holy, to be clean, to sanctify, or to be sanctified. What was he saying? Do you think the night before he was saying, Okay, now we've got 24 hours, get all the sin out of your life. You've got 24 hours to be clean. You've got 24 hours to get your heart right, get your mind right, because we're going over there tomorrow. Do you think that was the case? No. That's what the 40 years were for. 
God had already worked in the hearts of those people. God had already worked in their faith. He had already purged out those who would not believe. If you remember, the warriors, the ten of the of the uh, spies that went in said, no, we can't take them, we can't take them. And they literally led Israel to believe a lie. To not have faith for what God had promised. That disqualified them. Was it their sin that disqualified them? No, it was their lack of faith. Now, I suppose you can give an argument that lack of faith is sin. But truly, what disqualified them was a lack of faith. When Joshua was saying, consecrate yourselves, he was saying, get yourselves ready. For tomorrow we step in the faith that we've been believing for 40 years. And I know that is what the Lord is saying to us right now. It may just feel like a change of location. But if you search your heart and you search the Lord, you know that's not the case. You know what is here upon us. As we stand on this side of the Jordan, if you will, is stepping in faith for what he has said. Stepping in faith for what he is doing in our lives. And I don't mean in our lives internally. I mean with our lives. Exporting it to the world. Exporting it to the bride. There is purpose that he has said over and over and over again as to who we are. And I'm talking to this church right now. Overall, he's spoken to who the bride is and who the remnant is. But I'm talking about our specific calling. This church here, those online, those in Nigeria, we are all unified as one and he has a calling for us. That we've been believing for so long. Now the Lord says, consecrate yourselves. For we move into a place of action. We move into a place of doing. Not just believing. Because faith without works is dead. Without us moving in that faith. According to the timing of the Lord and what He makes us do in our step, it's that work of the faith that establishes the testimony. The Lord knows the faith of your heart, but if it is only faith of your heart and you don't step in the faith, is it really faith? Of course not. The Lord says it's dead. So consecrate yourselves. Pour into your relationship with the Lord the faith that you are offering in this time. And ask Him to increase it. Oh my goodness, what what God can do with a small group of people to change the world. What He did with a small group of people to take the promised land 
to become literally the most influential nation in history. Think about that. Now, historians might disagree and say, well, no, Egypt's probably the most influential, or maybe even Greece. Certainly, Rome could be up there. That's where we got our republic. Not sure what happened to that, but... No, the most profound thing that came out of Israel was a Messiah. A Messiah who changed the world. Christianity in its purest form that has changed lives all over. Not in a religion, but in a relationship. God did that from a small group of people. That's what he's doing with us. So consecrate yourselves. Step in that faith. Step in that belief. In that cleanliness of your walk with him. Don't step into this next season knowing that there is something that you are not giving to the Lord. Oh, please don't. And don't don't think that there weren't Israelites like that. There were. I mean, we know of several. We know of one that you'll understand right away, and that was Achan. There was clearly something he didn't give to the Lord. When they went into Jericho and took Jericho, and he took something for himself against the instruction of the Lord. That didn't turn out so well for him or his family. Don't think because we live in the times that we live that it's any different than that. Because God has a calling for each one of us. God has a calling for the unification of each of us to move forward in a purpose. You don't have to believe me. In fact, I'm asking you not to believe me. Because if you don't get that on your own, you're going to really struggle. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here. But you have to know from the Lord what He is doing. You have to believe Him by faith. You have to be stepping consecrated, which means you are stepping without known sin. When you know there is something that you're holding back, whether it be because of fear, whether it be because of selfishness, whatever, if you know you're holding something back and you're stepping into the will of this time, you run a great risk. Because the Lord's not going to stop the movement. He's not going to stop His will from pressing forward, just like He didn't with Joshua and Israel. But there are consequences to us stepping out of this consecration, stepping out of this cleanness. So He said, Consecrate yourselves. Prepare yourselves. Step into that place of cleanliness with God. Then I thought of this morning as I was speaking to to the Lord, I, I thought of his last week here on earth. 
Jesus, when he, when he went into Jerusalem, the triumphal entry is what the Bible calls it as a title if you want to look it up. But I really want to encourage you this week. Digest that last week of his life. There is so much in there on that. I mean, you probably have a hard time doing it in a week. But digest it. It's kind of like this. I want you to think of it this way. If you know, let's say you have people that you train, okay, that you're teaching to replace what you're doing, right? We teach that in management. When you, when you manage people, you manage them with the, with the thought of teaching them to replace you, right? And hopefully do a better job. That, that's a good manager. So Jesus, imagine knowing the last week of his life, what is he going to pour into his disciples? What's he going to tell them? Some of the most amazing nuggets in Scripture are embedded in that week. And we're only going to look at a couple things this morning. But I really want you to want to encourage you to get in and just digest some of that. It's kind of like Jesus saying, I know you, you don't realize this, but, but I'm going to be gone. And I need you to know this. I need you to know this because in your moment of desperation, you're going to need it. You're going to need to know which way to turn. You're going to need to know which answer to give or how to step. And so I need to give you this instruction so you can know. You can know. And, and I can know before I leave that I've given you everything. Everything that I was supposed to. I want you to turn to John chapter 16. We're going to hit a point here, then I, then I want to go to uh, a little bit further in John. But, but one of the greatest things, now imagine Jesus been, has been with his disciples for three years, right? Over three years. And the intimacy that was built there, the relationship with, that was built there, imagine your best friend, you've come to the end of physically being with your best friend. That would be tough. That would be really, really tough. But that's what's going on here, even though the disciples didn't really understand that. Jesus knew that. Right? And, and so he, he says here at first, I'm going to send somebody, or the Father really is going to send somebody to replace what we have here right now. Let's read about that. John 16 We'll start at verse 7. Actually, let's go back. Uh, let's start. Let's start back at verse 4. But I've said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. See, you can hear him pleading. Guys, I'm not going to be here much longer. I need you to remember this. Please. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? (laughs) I I don't know if it was like a spirit of deception or what, what it was. But if you look through all the Gospels, how many times Jesus told them and alluded to, his, his dying on the cross, his, his giving of his life, and his leaving his disciples, and yet they still didn't get it. 
That's what Jesus is saying here. He, he, he's saying, he's saying, now I'm going to him who sends me, and, and literally none of you ask me where in the world are you going? You, you don't even ask me about this. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. They couldn't see past the emotion of it. Verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is your, to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. By the way, what does that mean? Jesus wouldn't be there with them as an example. Be there with them to show them the way, to show them the steps. Verse 11, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So Jesus said, in his last hours, you will not be forsaken. You will not be left here, even though I go. I'm going to send somebody who will replace what I do here, because I must go. I must go to be with the Father. Scripture says later that he is our advocate. He, he literally is our voice in the Father's ears saying, I've covered them. Listen to them. I've covered them. They're covered in my blood. What an extraordinary thing. If he didn't go to the Father to do that, we wouldn't have that relationship with the Father. Because our relationship with the Father is only through the Son. The Bible says only through Jesus can we get to the Father. No one else, only through Him can we get to the Father. So in this last week, He's saying, I won't leave you hanging. I'm going to give you this Holy Spirit. And He is going to guide you in amazing ways. In very personal ways. In ways that you can't imagine. Let's go a, a few pages forward to, to uh, chapter 17. And we're going to go down to verse 15. Because then the Lord changes from talking to the disciples to now praying for them. And praying, you'll see, as well for us. Verse 15, that's where we'll start of chapter 17. I do not ask, and this is Jesus praying, he's praying to the Father, and he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. For they are not of the world. And he's talking about his disciples here. Just as I am not of the world. Extraordinary, because they were born into the world, so was Jesus. But yet they are not of the world. Because of them believing in Jesus as the Messiah, it changed their status. And that's what he's saying here. 
So they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. In other words, make them clean in the truth. Build relationship through that truth. Because your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself. That they also may be sanctified. Or it's, it's actually the same word there. You can use consecrate again or sanctified both because they're interchangeable. It's the same Greek word. So for their sake, I consecrate myself or sanctify myself that they also may be consecrated or sanctified in truth. This is the example of Jesus showing the way. Showing how we are to be in relationship with the Lord. It is in his truth. Now, I'm glad Jesus didn't stop there because he goes on thinking ahead in verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. He just included you and I. He just made the operations of the Holy Spirit to not just apply to those disciples, not just apply to that time frame to somehow get the church kick-started. That's baloney. We were just promised the Holy Spirit. We were just promised that He would lead us as Jesus led His disciples. That's through an intimate relationship. That's through an ongoing, every day, every night relationship. That they had with Jesus. That's what it replaced. Not a letter here and there. Here I'll give you a letter. And you, you just follow these ten points. And you're going to be good. That's not a relationship. That's a servant. And thank you. Thank you for doing that. But that's not what God. That's not the fullness of what, what God intends. He doesn't just desire your obedience. He desires all of you, every last bit. He desires your friendship. He wants intimacy with you because of what was taken from him in the Garden of Eden. The intimacy that Adam and Eve had walking with him. Oh, I know, I know their hearts, their hearts and their spirits are crushed to think of what that one decision did. But Jesus knew. He knew that choice had to be there for each one of us. Because, see, he didn't want robots. He wanted us to believe by faith that we could have that same intimacy that Adam and Eve had in the garden. The difference is, we have to do it by faith. They were physically there. Because nothing had fallen. They got the advantage of literally walking in it, of seeing God face to face. But then God devised this thing called faith that allows us the same thing. That's why he said, it pleases me. Jesus said, I'm pleased 
when you have faith, I'm pleased in it. Why? Because it brings us into unity with Him when we believe. So He included all of us. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in Me through their word. That they they may be all one, or that they all may be one. Just as you, Father, are in Me, and I in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And he goes on and he reiterates this part, and and this is so important to get. This part where he says that I am in you and you are in me and they are in us. Right? That doesn't happen without relationship. That doesn't happen without building something together. Verse 23, I in them and you in me. Uh, No, sorry, 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given them. That they may be even, maybe one, even as we are one. So that's a picture of what he desires the bride to be. Do you think Jesus and God are pretty close? Yeah, I think we could probably all agree that that's the case. Jesus literally just said, I want them. Who are them? Those who will believe in me and express with their mouth that belief. That's what he said. So I want them to be unified as one, as we are one. Jesus and God are one. Ooh, man, that's a pretty high bar. That's a pretty high mark. I would venture to say the church has not hit that mark. Not even close. I would venture to say that very few small groups have hit that mark. And yet that is what Jesus is asking. Remember, this is a prayer. This is Jesus asking the Father, this is what I want. I have given everything. I, as God, have come to this earth and became a man. Lived a perfect, sinless life, and at this point, am going to offer that life as Savior for those who would believe and those who would confess with their mouth. So I am purchasing, Jesus is saying, I am purchasing that unity, that capability for unity within the bride that I am dying for. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, Father, that they may be one as we are one. Verse 23, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. So he just gave the key ingredient to our unity, which is him permeating every part of our relationships together. You know, that's the first thing that Alexa and I talk to couples about that are going to be married. Or forget marriage, I mean just when they start dating. And if Jesus isn't in the middle of that relationship, it's going to be a real problem. It's not going to go anywhere. Anywhere for God. It's the same with the bride and friendships with the bride and, and unity even within a local congregation. What Jesus said is, we have to permeate all that. 
we meaning Jesus, the Father, through the Holy Spirit, literally permeating all those relationships. And he just keeps reiterating this. Again, verse 23, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Knowing full well that in his death, burial, and resurrection, the Father wasn't going to send him back here, you know, every other generation to, you know, pick out 12 more people so, so they can then tell the world. It's no different now. It's about faith. It's about knowing who he is and having faith in who he is for the purpose of showing the world who he is. If we don't tell them, who will? Nobody, because that's the job God has given us to do. That's what Jesus is praying for right here. Verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. To see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundations of the world. Hmm. There's a couple ways you can really dig into this. You could say that the Lord's saying, you know, from this I, I, I just want them to be able to come to heaven with me when, you know, after they die, come to heaven. Guys, that's not what he's talking about here. He's referring to his kingdom. He's referring to the very thing that he said for us to seek the most, which is him and his kingdom and his righteousness. Make that first and foremost. Then he takes care of the rest. But that's what he's saying here. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. Wait a second. He's praying they're sitting right next to him. So clearly he's not talking about that. He's talking about the relationship and the intimacy that he has at that moment with the Father. In faith, by the way. Jesus was still walking in faith. He was walking in faith right up to the point that he said, it is finished. Just like you will walk in faith And he desires you to walk in faith right up to the point that you breathe your last breath. It's that faith that pleases God. But he said, for them to be with me where I am, not in proximity, they were already there. It's because in his kingdom, he was with God. He was with the Father. That's what the Lord had been doing his whole life, teaching him what it was to... Live in that kingdom that he literally paid to have accessible to us. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. Why? To teach. Do you know, and we we won't go back there, but but what what it says there is I'm sending the Holy Spirit to tell you everything that is coming. Okay? Well, wait a second. But the gifts kind of ended... You know, prophecy ended, all this stuff ended when it was no longer necessary. Wow, if you don't think it's necessary now, 
just hang on, man. Hold on to something tight. Because it's very necessary. God wasn't talking about just just the next 30 years. I, I think the last book was written 60 years or so, roughly, after Jesus' death. Do you think the word of God stopped? A.D. 94? Okay, finally I could close this, this chapter and it's done. Everything that I need to say to them I have said. I will retire to my weekend home and wait till they finally get here and we'll see who makes it. <laughs> I mean, that's just stupid. But that's the ridiculousness, the ridiculous effect of what Christians believe. No, the Holy Spirit was given to be active in your life. He was first given to seal your spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. When you accept Jesus Christ in, into your heart, you, you proclaim him as Messiah. You are sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Your spirit is sealed. In other words, it's no longer yours. It's God's. He takes claim because you gave it to him. But it is your spirit. You still have control over your body. You still have control over your will. That control is by choice. Your choice gives authority to somebody. It's going to give authority to God or it's going to give authority to the enemy. It's not an authority you hold back. God gives you authority to do something with it. You don't just hold it for yourself. You're going to give it one way or the other. Because you choose one way or the other. To be absent of a choice is still choice. Right? And we know that. But the Holy Spirit was given to tell us things. In, in fact, Jesus said, uh, where did he, I think he, where did he say it? Uh, I don't know where he said it. Oh, no. Yeah, back in chapter 16, verse 12. This was talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Think about that statement for a second. Because I used to think he was talking about his death. You can't bear them now. Well, that doesn't make sense because he's been telling them now for three years. Look, guys, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Hey, by the way, I'm going to die. going to give my life. I'm going to die. Because that's what I've been sent to do. And it's almost like it just goes over their head every time. They didn't understand. So that can't be what he's talking about here. Because clearly Jesus figured they could bear that because he had been saying that all along. That's not what he's talking about here. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all the truth. This is verse 13. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare it to you, the things that are to come. See, he's talking about the workings of the Holy Spirit here. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said, 
he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He quantified that it was so much more than these 66 books written by over 40 authors. And I'm not talking about adding to the word of God. Only God can add to the word of God. But guess what? God can add to the word of God. He didn't stop talking 2,000 years ago and just sit there waiting for us to figure it out. That's what he sent the Holy Spirit for. That's what he sent the Holy Spirit. If you look at these books, these 66 books, and you think you know them because you can parse this and you can understand the original language and and you can separate this out and and this is similar to this, so we kind of take this, put it over here, and wow, now we have a whole picture. If that is your entire way of knowing the Word of God, let me tell you absolutely, unequivocally, you are missing 98% of His Word. Because you cannot know his word without the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said that here. You can't even understand it. Yes, you can understand historical fact. We can understand historically that the children of Israel went into the promised land and, you know, the, the river Jordan opened up and they walked through on dry land. We can understand, we still have to believe it, but we can understand that. By reading it as history and believing that. But how does that equate to our relationship, our personal relationship with the living God? See, it doesn't. Without faith and without listening to the voice of God. That he offers every one of you. See, prophets, pastors, teachers that hear God, that hear His Word, they don't hold any special position to be able to hear from Him. Any different than anyone else who has received Jesus Christ as Savior. There's one major difference. You have to step in faith. And I mean truly hearing Him. I'm not talking about people that control through that pulpit or control through position. I'm talking about really hearing from God. Why do you think Moses was set aside? Why do you think David was set aside? If you look at both of their lives, they spent the quiet portion of their life for years going hard after God. They built intimacy and relationship with him. David literally said, that's all I had to do. I'm out there with the sheep. What else am I going to do? But I absorbed your creation and and I fell in love with you. and, And oh my goodness, when I started hearing your voice, I wanted to be nowhere else. And then you taught me how to be a warrior. You taught me how to have relationship, how to step in things that I never thought were possible. You cannot do that without a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's through his Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus was saying here. I'm I'm sending him because you can't take what you need to hear yet. I can't tell you because you can't take it yet. But you need to hear it. 
So I'm going to hear, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to speak to you in the right moment. To facilitate the relationship that you think we're losing right now by my death. He's going to facilitate that relationship in my kingdom. Because in my kingdom, guess what? I'm not leaving. In fact, that's where I'm going. To prepare a place for you. In my kingdom, where I desire you to be now. You can't understand that. You can't follow that. You can't be there without the power of the Holy Spirit. Without even recognizing that through intimacy you can hear Him. You have the right to hear Him. But yet it's not an easy thing. It's not an academic thing. (laughs) And the sad thing is that's how it's been set up. Well, here, let me give you point A, B, and C. And, you know, if, if you do A, B, and C, then, you know, we just know that now you'll have D. I mean, that's what we learn in Sunday school all our lives. That's what we learn in church. And, and I'm not saying all churches are the same. Praise God, they're not. Praise God that there are churches that do listen to the Lord, who are led by the Lord and listen to his voice. And they become his hands and his feet. And we're in a time now where that relationship and that communication is critical to move forward. Because I'm telling you, he is going to dismantle those who are not. Because those who don't hear his voice are going to feel the darkness that is descending. Remember that darkness we talked about was three years ago? (laughs) God didn't forget. Neither did we. That darkness is coming. You could say that darkness, you could see darkness descending. That's not even the darkness I'm talking about. I'm talking about the same darkness that was part of the plagues in Egypt where there was light in Goshen, but there was darkness with the Egyptians. I can't even explain that. I don't know what that means, but I know that the Lord has said that that is what's coming. And the thing that's cool about it is we didn't learn that from a prophet. I mean, which still would have been awesome. We learned that because the Lord told it to us directly. And and then the awesome thing is when he starts telling other intimate relational people to him, call them prophets, call them whatever you want to call them, and then they start saying the same thing and you're like, okay, yeah, they hear they hear from the same God I do. That is rampant right now. I mean, we we will turn something on almost every day and hear things, people that don't know us. I remember the the word that the Lord gave me for Joe Biden. Yes, I said, Joe Biden, I don't need to be visited by the Secret Service again. (laughs) Okay. But the word that he gave me for Joe Biden that is coming, and literally I expect it any time. When he gave it to me, I'm like, okay, Lord, 
you know, I'm not hearing this from anybody else. Well, now you do. You're hearing it from others. They're not connected with us. They didn't hear it from us. Trust me, they have no idea who we are. They have no idea who I am. They're hearing it from the Lord because it's true. This is what the Lord said when he said, I will send my Holy Spirit because there are things that you can't take now, but you're going to need in the moment. We're in that moment. Alexis, come on up. We're in that moment. And what he wants as we move from this Again, I, I, I don't I hesitate to call it a change of season, but as as we move from the time in which we're in right now to this new time, we'll call it a new spatial time, because we'll have way more space, which is awesome. As we move into that, our intimacy with the Lord has to be greater and greater and greater. And the re- the reward of that is extraordinary. It's love. It is literally love. It's wild that he just said love because what I just wanted to say before we pray, um, this training time that we've been in last seven years is has really been, um, we've been trained on a lot of things, deliverance ministry, um, just all kinds of things, but we have been, in a very unique training of love itself. Because see, what he has wanted to teach in the purity of his people and remnant people, which, you know, are those that are just willing to just at any cost just serve the Lord, trust the Lord, be all of his, is that it's really just the scripture that he gave. And, you know, I, I, I was thinking when I was sitting there just listening to this scripture, which I'm a real just so fond of the, those chapters that he went over, and, and I've just spent so much time in the Gospel of John. But the Lord was showing me that, you know, it's not his way, the way the typical person selects a church. You know, usually we go, you go to a church and you look for the program that you like. You look for the ministry for your children. You look for um, uh, what maybe they're involved in that you have a skill set for. You, you look for, um, you know, a group of friends that you can relate to. You know, young people, they look for a, a great youth ministry or a great couples ministry. And sometimes church selection is, um, and those aren't necessarily bad things, but it's a paradigm of, of me, myself, and I, and what I'm looking for in this church is I'm looking for me. I'm looking for who I can relate to because I want to, that's, if that's something that I desire, then I need to, oh, oh, they're like me. Oh, I like that. Okay, I might consider going there because cause I can relate to that. A lot of people are driven from churches where they don't feel like there's anybody else like them in the church. And boy, did God take ignition and put a group of people together that are so completely different in every way. And depending on your paradigm, it can either be a, well, I don't know. I mean, there's just not, you know, there's just not another couple that's, that's going through what we're going through. There's just not another, uh, you know, there's just not a group that's, that's my age. Or there's not, you know, there's not this ministry and this is what I've always done. And the Lord has tore all that up in ignition. And he said, I'm going to teach you true, pure love. I'm going to teach you to look at your brother and sister 
where I've led you and for you to see them and my love for them, not you and their relation to you that makes you feel better because they're like you. He just flipped it on its head. And the thing that's so interesting about the Holy Spirit giving Greg the the scripture in the beginning about Joshua, we are in a place of consecrating ourselves and going across. But the big picture that I saw was we are about, like, like Joshua did, leading the children of Israel into the promised land is a series of battles. If you know, they were taken over by the, you know, the Hittites, the, the, all the ites you know, that are listed. They went into the promised land, and they were going into what was promised to them, but not without battle after battle after battle. And that is exactly where we are now. We have been trained in love, how to love. And by the way, even deliverance ministry is love. It is a love process, fighting the enemy and, and fighting for the freedom of that individual into the love of Jesus. So he's trained us in all these things, but then equipped us to see the body of Christ differently, to not just be looking for ways that we can be comfortable because, oh, good, you're like me. You like the same things I like, so now I'm, I'm good. Like he's taken us away from a me focus into a true love focus. Do I love my brother and sister? They aren't like me in any way, shape, and form. And I can choose in self-focus to be completely annoyed and put off by the fact that I just don't relate to you. Or I can see the love of Jesus and love you with that love of Jesus. And I can see the Father's heart for that individual. That's what he's wanting to train us in. Because as we step out into this raging, raging battles, okay, because we've been really kind of sequestered. That's what, that's what kind of this process has been. It's been a sequestered place of training. And now we're going to step into public view battles that it will be very, very individual, different battles that many of you will face in different places that you're going to be stepping into, whether it be school boards like Sandy, um, you know, whether it be job situations, whether it be, you know, neighborhood situations, um, anything that you're, it could just be standing in the middle of a store, standing against uh, a rising, mounting, riot forming because of looting, and what are you going to do about it? Like, I mean, the rising crime, there's going to be so many opportunities to stand firm, to reject lies, now, just to, just to stand before any group of people in any place, even a Wawa, and declare that I'm a woman is now a controversial thing. I mean, like, you know, the truth has become so, so crushed and so raged against. But these are the battles we're going to step into. It is not, it may not be, some of it might actually be physical, but it won't be the physical taking of land like what Joshua did in those armies that he led against those those, peop, those people on the promised land. But it will still be a battle in the spirit to take territory. So it is so much like that. And we have been trained to discern in the spirit to Ephesians 6.12 it, which is that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I can love the person that might be raging against me. I can love the the difficult person that wants to even maybe destroy me for what I stand for. But I'm going to go against the enemy that's all over that person. And I will stand against their evil acts. I will stand against the authorities in them. And, you know, there is a wrestling against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places of, of all, all different um, realms. And this is what we're going to be stepping into. So it is very, very exciting. But, um, but it, 
it will only come in the confidence. The boldness really comes from that, that intimate place of knowing Jesus. And uh, I'm just so thankful. I'm just so thankful. I was listening to that song again. I, I sang it, but I was listening to it again this morning. That no one ever cared for me like Jesus. I just, without, without his spirit within me telling me who I am, I would never have the boldness or the confidence to stand up. And, and that has been the goal of the enemy, to try to so intimidate Carson mentioned that yesterday. There's a strategy of intimidation. Now even a strategy of intimidation to even have a conservative viewpoint, much less a godly one. I mean conservative. Their bank accounts are being closed. And I mean all kinds of bizarre tactics to remove freedoms, to basically try to shut people up. And we are in a time where we have got to rise at any cost. That is why, from the very beginning of this message, when Greg said, you can have this desire in your heart all day long, but if you can't back it up with action steps in your life and paying whatever cost, and many of us have paid a dear price, um, sacrificed so many things to take stands, but that will continue, but the reward is great. Because I don't know about you, but if you read that story, I don't want to be one of those that doesn't go into the promised land. And, you know, the promised land for some represents heaven, but I'm talking about the promised land of the fullness of our destiny, that Jeremiah 29, 11 promise of what God has given us to enter. But it is not without battle. But that's why, Romans 8, that's why we're able to have victories and be more than a conqueror. So I'm really, really excited. And I do know that this is one of the, depending on how things work, uh, would be one of the, I don't know. I, want, I don't want to say last time, Greg, but I won't always be able to get up here and say anything afterwards because we are going to, at least while we are in our temporary place um, this, this next month, um, we're going to be a lot tighter in service time, which is what we don't believe in, but we're going to be bound by that in our location um, because we're going to have to get, get out of that to location quickly. One last thing before we pray. Every building that the Lord has promised us, we will have. Nothing has changed. Not at all. Um, we, we have uh, applied different timing to that, and, uh, and there has been warfare over these, but every single thing that the Lord promised us will come. And I, for one, didn't know what I didn't know. And so as I wrestled with God over certain timing things and thinking, well, let's, like he said, I think it was last week, oh, we're going to be in this place in 30 days. There's no way I could have learned. Certainly not have had a transformed love paradigm shift. Uh, had he put us into those environments right away. I really needed to go through the, the sequestered boot camp to, to, to let God transform me in so many ways, ways I didn't even know I needed to change. There was so much in me that wasn't my heart, but I wasn't living it. You know, it's like, you know, it's like your heart desire to, to, to be healthy. You know, well, now all of a sudden you've got to start walking the steps that actually back up that heart desire. And sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. And so I'm so thankful for that. But I do know, and he just reassured me even back there, the Lord did, that, um, that, that his word is true. And just because it doesn't come in the right timing. When Joseph's dream came, and he, was, he went from this dream and this hope of all this was going to happen in his future, then he gets sold, then he's in prison. Did that mean that, that he's a false prophet for saying that he, had a bad, that he had this dream from the Lord? No. It was that the Lord had a training period, and his dream was still true. It was going to be applied at a different time because of how God wanted to prepare him. And so it's no different than everything with us. And so, um, so stay confident in what the Lord is going to do because 
uh, we're, we're crossing this literal threshold into through a, the next door into a new space, and um, we're really excited, even spiritually, with what God's going to do because it really doesn't matter. Uh, our environment, God will provide what we need, but our mindset is that we, the body of Christ, are the church. So before you go offline, just tell them that online. Uh, for the service, we'll start 15 minutes earlier next week at 10.15. Yes, we will be starting 15 minutes earlier uh, from the month of April, <laughs> maybe possibly from here on out, but definitely for the month of April. So we'll try to give everybody a heads up. It'll start at 10.15 online. So when you're, if you're joining us there, just keep that in mind. Let's pray. Father, thank you, God. Thank you for your beautiful word. God, thank you that you tore the veil so that we can enter in this amazing, relational, beautiful place with you, God. That it isn't just that you've got some God way up in the sky and we just kind of make it based on some principles until we one day die and go to heaven. But that you gave us access to you immediately upon our salvation. To just, oh God, to just step and walk with you, God. Knowing who you are, learning of you, finding the strength and the power and authority in Christ Jesus to escape every temptation that comes our way. God, I thank you for all the freedom, all the the beauty that you offer us. I just thank you, God, that you speak to us, that we don't have to go through a series of hierarchy people to try to get a grasp on what you're saying, but we can come and enter boldly before the throne of grace. God, thank you so much for that. That is so beautiful, God. I just pray for that, for everyone hearing this message today, God. I pray that far above anything else, that upon their salvation, that they would, by faith, just lean into you and believe with all their heart that if you are speaking, they will hear you. Because you are not a God that will hide your voice. You said when we seek you, we will find you. So, God, I just praise you for that. And I just pray that you would unlock greater understanding to who you are and what you're saying. Thank you for your love. Help us to love each other. To look through the lens of your love at others so that we will just just love them right where they are. And then, just in our great deep relationship with you, grow close to them and be that iron sharpening iron. That that comes through a love relationship with one another. So, God, I just pray that you would unify us together in your Holy Spirit. And we just praise you, God, that that is what you offer. That is what you're doing. And I'm so thankful. In Jesus' name, amen.